It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Our big, one of our big problems, of course, is the way in which the Kinsey model of sexual education has gone from the university level that is being taught at the university level through the Kinsey people, through, for teachers and so forth, from the university to the college, from the college to the junior college, from the junior college then to the high school. As our teachers have become trained, quote unquote, in the field of human sexuality, they then train those below them who train those below them. That then filtered out. So we began in 1953, really. 1948 was Kinsey's book on men. 1953, women. We began to train people at that university level with all of this false data, all the fraudulent data. That then filters down to junior high, I mean to high school, to junior high school. And now we've got this thing spreading out so that we have teachers and we have parents in an uproar all over the United States of America being forced indeed to teach things that we are arguing uh, are, are fundamentally fraudulent. And fraudulent means that you'll get bad results. You get bad results when you have bad data. America has lost a champion. I have to tell you, that was Dr. Judith Reisman, who passed from this earth on April the 9th. And um, I want to talk about this today because her impact on our understanding of sexuality, her fight against Alfred Kinsey, who was a complete fraud. We're going to talk about that. The Kinsey Institute at the University of Indiana, uh, uh, Hugh Hefner, the whole Playboy movement, the beginning of the pushing of pedophilia, uh, the mainstream streaming of uh, homosexual and all kinds of uh, errant sexual behavior. All of that started with the Kinsey Institute and Alfred Kinsey. And Judith Reisman was his greatest opponent. She actually exposed him in her book, Kinsey, Sex, and Fraud. And we're going to talk about that today to give you an understanding, because even though Judith's work started a long time ago, Kinsey started his work a long time before that, this is still having a tremendous effect on all that we see. If you wonder how bad, how America became so perverse so quickly, and what the key or the turning point was, it all goes back to Alfred Kinsey. And the champion that stood against him was Dr. Judith Reisman. Uh, no one know, knew Dr. Reisman better than my next guest uh, in terms of her work, understanding her work. I produced a video with her, which we're going to talk about. Then my next guest, that's Robert Knight, who is a, a contributor to the Washington Times, but Bob's a lot more than that. He's a lot more than that. He was a former editor for the LA Times. Uh, he's also, he worked then with FRC. He was the director of the Culture and Family Institute at Concerned Women for America when I became its president. Uh, he's been a champion on these issues for so many years, and he knew Judith, Judith well. So I've asked him to join us. Bob, good morning, and thanks you, thank you for joining me. Well, good morning, Sandy. Good to be back on with you. Yeah, it's great to hear your voice, Bob. You know, um, <clears throat> I just was uh, talking just last week about... No, I, I, let me do it this way. 
I first met you, and you don't, you wouldn't know this. I was at a Salem talk show host conference uh, when I was a host in Chicago before I ever went to CWA, and I heard you present on um, mm, the whole the whole issue of homosexuality, whatever it was at the time. You know, it seems oh so quaint now. Uh, but I remember, Bob, one of the things I remember the most about you was you talked about how uh, the compassion that you had toward the people that you were debating and how God moved in those moments when you were in front of the camera and uh, just actually touched your heart. And I was trying to explain that to people last week about the same thing happening in my life, and I learned that from you. And then you came uh, to CWA, and I ended up coming as president, and we became good friends uh, but, Bob, I think the first thing before we talk about this is to revisit how in the world you got into this. When you were an editor at LA, the L.A. Times, you weren't writing about this stuff, I'm sure. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I, I was mostly editing, although I did quite a bit of writing for the Times as well, uh, for the feature section called the View section. Uh, but I was I, my job was mainly as a news editor, uh, selecting the uh, stories to run, laying out sections, that sort of thing. Uh, but... I was interested in what what got me into this whole thing and got me away from the LA Times was uh, the art copy I was editing. I, I, it, it, it rang a bell in my head when I saw how bad the art was. I mean, we're talking sculptures, paintings, etc. And it was all garbage. You know, you couldn't even... I had to go to the photographer who was covering an exhibit and say, which way is the picture? You know, which way should I run this, up or down? Because <laughs> uh, it doesn't make any sense. And I thought, you know, standards have slipped in so many areas. And the the sexual revolution was in full swing. This was in the 1980s. And I thought, you know, what we've lost is a grasp of basic values and we've adopted instead moral relativism. And that's the idea that you can make up reality on your own. There is no objective reality. Everything is subjective, so therefore your views is, are as good as mine. And you hear that phrase even today, your truth. Oh, well, that's true for you, but not for me. Uh, well, some things are true for everybody. And I became a Christian while I was at the LA Times, and that, uh, <laughs> that resulted in a lot of conflicts because... Uh, the newsroom was decidedly left-wing, uh, very secular, and uh, although I, I left on my own, uh, my own volition, I was doing fine at the LA Times, I just had the urge to write a book about moral relativism. So I ended up going to Hoover Institution at Stanford on a media fellowship and researched a book that later came out as The Age of Consent, The Rise of Relativism and the Corruption of Popular Culture. And here's something interesting, Sandy. When I finished the book and sent it to, uh, I had an agent, and I sent it to various New York publishers, and every one of them rejected it. And some of the letters I've kept, and some of them said things like, he's defending marriage. Uh, you can't do that today. <laughs> and if you'd only come out for gay marriage, we might consider this book. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, this is a book on moral relativism? where I'm reestablishing timeless truths and you want me to jump into the LGBT camp or, or not get it published. So I ended up getting it published by Spence Publishing, which is a conservative house that no longer exists. Tom Spence uh, started it just to get books like mine out there. And there are a lot of excellent books under Spence Publishing. And Tom has gone on to be president of Regnery Publishing, which is a major conservative publisher. So... 
that's the happy ending for my book. But <laughs> in the, I, when but I it was went the to beginning, family, now I could say it's safe to say it was the beginning of sorrow for you. You should t- you tell a little bit more, Robert, <laughs> Robert, Bob, because um, because it, it was a it's been a rocky path. You kind of got locked into this. You became an expert. You were powerful, and I think because of your faith in Christ, Bob. There's no question about it. Your passion. Uh, when you used to appear, appear on television and on camera, was just undeniable. It was powerful. Uh, it really, I think, changed your life, would you say? This oh, whole no involvement doubt, in this. No doubt about it. This was a calling. I mean, who wants to fight the gay activists? I mean, you know, they can be very nasty. Uh, they, they lie. Uh, they misrepresent science. They, uh, they question your motives. And, of course, character assassination is their number one weapon. Anybody who stands against them is a bigot or a hater. So I, the way I, I got through it was I'd ask the Lord to have me look at them the way he does. Uh, let me see them through his eyes. And suddenly I, I couldn't return the hate. I just saw them as, as poor injured children, basically, who something had gone wrong in their lives and they were acting out and they chose this, this path, You're looking for love in all the wrong places. And I thought, well, look, uh, I will try to convey truth as honestly and as compassionately as I can. And I found that no matter how compassionate you are, you'll still be accused of hate. It's just, uh, I remember, Sandy, when you uh, took the helm at Concerned Women for America and you gathered the staff and you gave a little speech about where you saw it headed. And I was so impressed when you said, and, and it's in your uh intro on your show we're not here to be nice and i thought wait a second i thought the women of cwa were very nice and they all were and she meant i mean you meant that uh if we have to give up truth in order to appear nice we're not going that way we're going to tell the truth because all truth is god's truth and the nicest thing you can do is convey what god once conveyed which is truth and love and that that's what we did at CWA. That's what I still continue to try to do to this day, speak yeah. truth in love. You absolutely do, Bob. And uh, I, just to revisit, I, this is not supposed to be a reminiscence of CWA, but we, uh, we, uh, it was really amazing what God did during that period of time. We were on the air just almost every night, one of us, yeah. uh, argue, you know, fighting for this. We were on the front lines of uh, trying to stop gay marriage. It was, a, it was a battle. It was an absolute battle. I've never spent so much time in my life on one thing as I did on trying to stop that. So, And, Bob, you were you know, such a great teacher for me, a mentor. So, Now, you well, went you. to after you left Hoover, you went, and maybe you stayed affiliated with them, you went to FRC, and then you came to CWA again to head the Culture and Family Institute. But while you were at FRC, your life intersected with Judith Reisman. Tell us about that and how that happened. Well, I, I had a friend who has since passed, uh, Tom Landis, a great, great Southern gentleman, uh, had a doctorate and uh, taught at uh, various colleges, uh, including Vanderbilt. And Tom uh, was helping Judith compile her books. And he said, you really are, you're doing cultural issues at, at Family Research Council? Actually, this became, this was before Family Research Council. I was at Heritage Foundation. I got a fellowship there after leaving Hoover. And he said, you really ought to dig into Alfred Kinsey. And he gave me the idea that uh, all federal programs based on the Kinsey research uh, could use a good look and are probably illegitimate 
because the Kinsey research was illegitimate. And for that, he introduced me to Judith Riesman, and I read her book, Kinsey, Sex, and Fraud, which was published in 1990. It was just out at the time. And I said, oh my gosh, this is a major fraud committed on the public that is still reverberating. Uh, people believe that 10% of the population's gay when it's less than 2%, according to surveys from around the world. Uh, people believe that uh, most Americans have engaged in a wide variety of uh, sexual uh, behavior, including adultery. Uh, most women have had abortions, which was nonsense. I mean, Kinsey fabricated so many lies, and that became the basis uh, for the changes in the law, which we could talk about a little later. Kin uh, Judith wrote another book, Kinsey, Crimes and Consequences, and she laid out exactly how the ACLU took the Kinsey research, used it in court cases, reformed the model penal code, which the states go by when they're uh, putting, when they're enacting uh, penalties for particular crimes. And Kinsey himself testified before state legislators saying, well, you know, kids aren't that affected by being molested. It's no big deal. In fact, even rape shouldn't be punished so greatly. Uh, it's about sexual hysteria, and we've got to tone down the hysteria. So penalties were loosened for child molestation and rape, and it all came out of Kinsey. And Judith, uh, <laughs> this, this woman was so courageous. Uh, she had She riled up the porn industry first because... She did a study for American University uh, uh, with a grant from the Justice Department where she looked at imagery in Playboy, Penthouse, and Hustler and, sh and revealed that they'd used lots of child sex imagery. Now, most guys buying these magazines weren't interested in that, but they put it in cartoons, they, they posed women uh, to appear childlike, uh, and she made... Uh, compiled all this stuff in a very authoritative study and it was almost killed at American University. She had people within the university who were against her and didn't want this coming out and then the Bob, Justice Department hold, the same hold way and we got a break. Oh <laughs> okay. yes. <laughs> okay. Yes we have to break but but we're going to come back and uh, my guest is Bob Knight uh, now his little humble title after all he's done so many things. He contributes to the Washington Times. You can read his great stuff. But we're talking today about the death of a mutual friend of ours, Dr. Judith Reisman, who took on Kinsey. And I think, Bob, in order to understand what she took on, you're explaining it, but we need to also explain who Kinsey was in more graphic detail. We'll talk about your movie that you did with Judith when we return. Sandy Rios in the morning. Can I tell you about a hero of the faith? Hi, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and Shadrach is an elder in a shanty church deep in the heart of Zambia, Africa, the country where the famous missionary David Livingstone carried out years of ministry. The church received word that an attack was coming from Islamic extremists, and sure enough, it came, and the man Shadrach had a handgun to help protect the congregation. In self-defense, he shot a man, Ishmael, but did not kill him, but instead nursed him back to health, took care of his livestock over many months, and taught his daughter to read and write. And the result is that the family has come to Christ along with 80 former Islamist extremists. But they live where Bibles are almost non-existent. Listen, the gospel's going forth today, and we get to be a part of their story at only $5 a Bible. Will you pray about it and then make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or visit sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. This is Pause to Pray. 
a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Catherine Tai, United States Trade Representative. Her agency is responsible for developing and promoting American trade policy. She is part of the President's Executive Office. Leviticus 2514 reminds us of the importance of fair trade. And if you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Catherine Tai in her role as United States Trade Representative. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. It was a battle for the ages in Lincoln, Nebraska, a fight to the finish over the best Josh in the land. Hundreds of guys named Josh showed up at a park for a day of fierce competition and all-around silliness, an idea that was birthed in the mind of 22-year-old Josh Swain and blamed on pandemic boredom. Mr. Swain challenged others who shared his name to a duel. The festivities started with a grueling and righteous battle of rock-paper-scissors, Josh Swain of Tucson versus Josh Swain of Omaha. The Arizona Josh won. Then it was on to a pool noodle competition won by a five-year-old child named Little Josh. The winner received a Burger King crown along with exclusive rights to the name Josh. All the losing Joshes have to change their name. Or maybe the event organizers are just joshing. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I met up with Dr. Judith Reisman, a world historian in the destruction of human sexuality. Dr. Reisman is recognized as an expert witness exposing the sex industry's hidden agenda. Playboy sued you or you sued Playboy? No, Playboy sued me for libel and slander. And what happened? I won. She's fought the pornography industry for decades and even won a lawsuit against Playboy. So how did we get here to where we're at today? Because I don't think pornography has always been such an epidemic cancer within our society like it is today. No, not at all. Uh, We were, up to the end of the Second World War, a conservative Judeo-Christian nation. The turning point for all that was Dr. Alfred Kinsey, his book, Sexual Behavior in the Human Male, 1948. He was the father of the sexual revolution and therefore the father of everything that has come from that. And certainly one of the key things was pornography. All right, so that is the voice of Dr. Judith Reisman, and we're remembering her today, but much more than even just her life, of the larger issue which she devoted her life to, which was turning back 
the tide of sexual anarchy in the country. Um, and she was a one-woman crusade against Dr. Alvord Kinsey, against Hugh Hefner and Playboy, against the pornography in, um, industry. Bob Knight is my guest. Uh, Bob is a good friend, uh, but uh, uh, one of the leading experts in the country on this. And he worked with Dr. Reisman on a, a movie, which we're going to get to in a second, called The Children of Table 34. But before we get into the specifics of that, Bob, finish your story, because you said that she was commissioned to do this project on uh, the major, like the the, oh, the, the the smut magazines, I guess, Plot, uh, Playboy and others, and she found uh, images in cartoons of pedophilia. Say more about that before we move on. Yeah, it was the main publications, Penthouse, Playboy, Hustler. Uh, she found cartoons and, and images of women who were dressed up like little kids and with teddy bears. and uh, This this kind of stuff that men who bought these magazines didn't notice, but it, it sunk in. And the whole idea was to uh, take sexuality down and, and imply that it's okay even with kids. So she did this study and got a sizable federal grant for it, uh, but... And this uh, led to uh, the Mies Commission on Pornography, uh, her work exposing the dangers of pornography and how it was uh, aimed uh, toward sexualizing children. And this was uh, the Attorney General, Edwin Mies, under Ronald Reagan. He launched the Commission on Pornography in May 1985. And uh, it was, of course, roundly criticized. Uh, People made fun of it. Uh, They... Uh, you can imagine how the left felt about this commission because what a lot of people don't realize is that the sexual revolution is is at the heart of the whole leftist revolution. Uh, I, I I have a master's in political science from American University and I studied socialism. And all the early socialists were free sex advocates uh, from uh, Frederick Engels, who was Karl Marx's co-author, uh, on down. Uh, they all felt that the family... Uh, was the bulwark of the church, and we had to get rid of the church so you could impose socialism. And the sexual revolution undid everything. And to this day, if you look at the forces in America, the the left is for every weird uh, sexual aberration under the sun, and they're totally uh, trying to destroy marriage as we know it by redefining it. And they're trying to sexualize children uh, right down in kindergarten. So this evil agenda has been around for more than 100 years, 150 years, really. But it's really, uh, it really took off with Alfred Kinsey, as Judith Reisman uh, discovered and publicized. Now, you need to know something about Alfred Kinsey. He was a zoologist at Indiana University. And... He was asked to teach a marriage and sex class because nobody else wanted to do it, I guess. And he he took off with this. And instead of studying tiny wasps, which he had a huge collection of, he studied human sexuality and he conducted experiments. And the what he did was uh, go to prisons and interview inmates and bribe them with Coca-Cola and cigarettes and things like that and, and get them to tell him all their weird, aberrant activities. And then he transposed that on the whole population of the United States. Uh, this is why, uh, and Judith exposed this in Kinsey's Sex and Fraud, this is why the data are uh, totally fraudulent. Uh, he took people who were uh, already prone to aberrant behavior, and then extrapolated that to the whole 
male population in, in his book in 1948. He did the same thing with women in 1953. And this, this had enormous impact. Uh, and th let's get back to that first study she did, though, uh, before Kinsey Sex and Fraud, that paper she did at uh, American University. Uh, citing the findings, the Southland Corporation, which runs 7-Elevens, were, were persuaded to get rid of the porn magazines. I don't know if you I remember, remember that. when 7-Eleven oh, yes, I, I was on the radio in Chicago when that happened. Yes, I remember that well. Yeah. I do remember know, they, it. That was a big deal. stashed in the back, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but they got rid of them. So now the, the, the smut kings uh, really got upset, so they hired a Washington public relations firm uh, called the, uh, the Gray Company and to discredit Judith and also discredit the Mies Pornography Commission. Uh, for $50,000 to $75,000 a month, they just trashed Judith. They trashed her in the press. They formed a pro-porn First Amendment coalition, which sounds noble, but it really was it was backed by the ACLU, which is uh, the, the, the devil's law firm is what we call it. Yeah. Uh, they hammered the Justice Department, and they, uh, they slowed, they stopped Judith's release of the report. It was re-edited. Uh, she saw it and said, wait a minute, they've turned it into garbage. I mean, I don't want to go through all the uh, reverberations here, but there were mighty forces arrayed against Judith. Well, and, it, and then Playboy sued her for defamation, and she won because she had done her homework. She had chronicled what they had been up to. You know, so many things going through my mind. Um, first of all, you know, you and I both know that sexual anarchy is kind of the one of the one of the um, uh, modus operandi of the Communist Party. It's to break down Absolutely. the family in every way possible. And ironically, Judith herself was from a red diaper family, and that means that her parents were communists. She's like David Horowitz and others that we know who have become fiercely conservative. Uh, Judith became that, and she was their worst foe, and she saw this stuff. And we also have to say, um, Bob, that Playboy... See, we're talking to a generation of people that won't remember the things we're talking about. Playboy magazine was the, like, go-to. It was like it had was respectable. Uh, it wasn't, but it was. It was respectable culturally. And Hugh Hefner was a cause celebre. And Hugh Hefner, I think he was raised Methodist. He, he looks... He, said yes. that Alfred Kinsey had, you know, transformed his life and made possible his whole empire, you know, kind of doing away with the sexual norms and enabling him to do what he did. That's how powerful all of this stuff was. Um, and, uh, you know, even I was thinking, Bob, even in pop culture then, you know, the, the Rat Pack, uh, the, you have to understand in the 60s and 70s, the mainstreaming of this sort of soft, sort of soft porn I don't know what to call it. I guess that's the right word, but sexualizing of women. Um, but beneath it was something much, much worse. And this is where it gets difficult. Because in order to explain to people how horrible things were with Kinsey, we have to talk about, we're not going to talk about some of the details because you know that we can't. Uh, but you produced a video with Judith called The Children of Table 34, um, and actually, Bob, let's take a second, because you chose like this other cultural icon, Efren Zimbalist Jr., who was like, like uh, I don't know what to, how to call him. He's like the Charlton Heston of the, uh, if that helps people to understand, he was just had a lot of gravitas. And um, he, what was the background? Why did he end up doing this introduction for you? Yeah, if, if 
people old enough to remember, he starred in 77 Sunset Strip, which was <laughs> yeah. a detective uh, drama on TV, and then the FBI, a very popular program. He, he was a big star, and he got involved with Child Help USA, which helps uh, children who have been abused. And uh, he got to know uh, Phil Olson, who was the development director at Family Research Council. And Phil told Ephraim that, hey, Bob Knight, who works for us, is making this video, and we wondered if you could uh, appear in it. So uh, Ephraim uh, agreed to it, and I flew to Hollywood. This is one of the greatest thrills of my life. And I, we got into a <laughs> studio courtroom, and I directed Ephraim Zimlis Jr., walking toward the camera and, and introducing <laughs> the film, and then you know, doing various things and then wrapping it up at the end. Uh, uh, but but just, he, was, he was an amazing, bright man uh, who should have had an even bigger career, but he got involved with the Jim Baker ministry. Uh, and when that scandal hit, he just stepped back from everything. And also, he was a devout Christian. He was, brought, he was, he was Jewish uh, in birth, but he became a devout Christian, and that doesn't do you much good in Hollywood. No, but, but okay, but we did manage, I just want people to understand, he was an icon, and he was uh, yeah. had so much gravitas. So for him to be affiliated with this film is amazing. And so I want to play the intro. I'm going to play the very beginning of your movie, chil the documentary, Children of Table 34, uh, based on, and you did this based on Judith's research. Let's listen to the opening. Here it is. Hello, I'm Ephraim Zimbalist, Jr. A number of years ago, I starred in The Chapman Report, a film about the sex studies of Dr. Alfred Kinsey. Like most Americans, I felt at the time that Dr. Kinsey's work was groundbreaking. And it was. But since then, serious questions have been raised about the Kinsey research methods. Serious enough to warrant a closer look. What would you think if you learned that some of the most important scientific research of the century may have been based on fraud? Or if not fraud, criminal experimentation on children funded by the taxpayer. What if you learned that the results of this research are exerting a profound influence on our society today, ranging from how we deal with sex offenders to how, when, and what our children are being taught about sex, not to mention why. Every parent in America needs to know the facts behind Alfred Kinsey's inclusion of children in his famous sex studies in the late 1940s. Recent revelations about government-sponsored radiation experiments remind us once more of the dangers of projects that violate informed consent and the standards of common decency. As you watch this story unfold, you will learn how America has unknowingly put its children at risk in the name of science. And you may also join me in asking, what happened to Dr. Kinsey's smaller subjects? Where are the children of Table 34? And that's how it starts. It's a gripping. I, I could hardly watch it yesterday, Bob. I don't know how in the world did you... First of all, you did this uh, with the research of Ju Judith Reisman. She was part of your project. Is that correct? Oh, very much so. I based it on her book. Um, and I also knew her co-author, Ed Eichel. And uh, Gordon Muir helped edit her book. And uh, another gentleman... Uh, for, who is now living in Australia? Uh, let's. <laughs> um, yeah, it was uh, John Court. I got to know all these guys, and we got them on camera. Uh, we interviewed them all. They're in the film, 
uh, along with lots of other experts. So we bottom showed, line, yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, yeah what we, did you we, show? <laughs> we, well, we showed how first Kinsey faked all his research. I mean, it's just, it, it's terrible. Uh, it's mad science at best. Uh, but the most disturbing part was the, the children of table 34, and that was just one of four graph tables, uh, which, uh, and I will say this uh, in, in a way that it's okay. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't have kids listening to this, but I'm not going to uh, scandalize yeah. anyone. Yes, I should. Uh, I, let, me, let me say that. I should have officially said that, Bob. We're not going to say graphic things, but this, is a, a, this whole subject is so disturbing that you might not want your children to listen. So we need to say that. Okay, so what, what yeah. did you find, Bob? Well, it, it, apparently Kinsey uh, had contacted uh, pedophiles, those are people who abuse children, uh, and gotten them to uh, record their activities with children using a stopwatch uh, or, or uh, the second hand on a watch. And they said that, and Table 34 has children aged two months old, boys, all boys, uh, up to 15 years of age, and it records what they, what the pedophiles reported to Kinsey as orgasms. Uh, now let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> uh, and and you know a five-month-old was reported to have several in a 24-hour period. In other words, this poor kid was molested around the clock, uh, and Kinsey presented this as evidence that kids. Uh, really enjoy this sort of thing. It's normal, and that therefore they ought to be introduced to it as early as possible. This became the basis for sex education in America, and that sounds like a huge claim. But when you realize Kinsey's disciples uh, at Planned Parenthood, uh, uh, the medical director of Planned Parenthood was was part of his entourage, uh, formed the uh, guidelines for sex education in the U.S. And it went through the academic world to New York University and other centers where they promulgated the sex education curricula for the whole country. Uh, the, the, the Children of Table 34 lays this out brick by brick, showing how uh, the, whole, <laughs> the whole educational establishment was corrupted. It is so, it is so how perverse. how it corrupted the culture. And yeah. you, can't, you can't even imagine how bad this was. And the thing of it is, we are reaping the bitter, bitter fruits of this because it has gone deep, as Judith described in the opening clip today. It's gone deep, deep, deep into our culture. It's poison. It has poisoned us. And that's why we're talking about it again. And that's why Judith Reisman, who stood against it and fought against it, uh, is being remembered by us today. My guest is Bob Knight. By the way, his article, Remembering Judith Reisman, is excellent. We'll put it on our Facebook page. We're not done, so stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. One reason for communication problems in your marriage could be because you're using the wrong tools. Next time on Focus on the Family, Greg and Michael Smalley describe how open sharing, patient listening, and a win-win approach can transform your marital communication. Learn more next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly.
Focus on the Family is heard each weekday morning at 5 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed, and nothing hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The United States Postal Service has been quietly running a program that tracks and collects Americans' social media posts. The surveillance effort is known as the Internet Covert Operations Program, or ICOP. ICOP analysts are monitoring social media channels like Parler, Telegram, and Facebook for any potential threats and collaborates with federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies. Anyone want to explain to me why the U.S. government would go to the Postal Service for examining the Internet for security issues? Can't get the mail straight, but now they're in on national security. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Brian Fisher here with the Life and Liberty Minute. In the time of Jesus, racial tensions between Jews and Samaritans were intense. They despised each other. But Jesus initiated a conversation with a woman of Samaria, something that shocked this woman since Jews never engaged Samaritans in ordinary conversation. Jesus paid no attention to skin color when it came to treating people right. He saw she was spiritually thirsty and lonely, just like everybody else. He was able to give her a taste of living water despite their racial and gender differences because he was more concerned about her spiritual condition than the color of her skin. Let's each contribute today to racial reconciliation the Jesus way by ignoring skin color and seeing the thirsty heart of the person in front of us. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. John Kerry has repeatedly betrayed our country and vital interests. Notably, he did it as a Vietnam veteran who undermined the war effort. As Obama's Secretary of State, he was so assiduously supportive of the mullahs in the disastrous Iran nuclear deal negotiations that European allies derided him as, quote, the Iranian's lawyer, unquote. Now, Iran's Foreign Minister, Mohammad Zarif, has disclosed that former Secretary of State Kerry told him about more than 200 Israeli attacks on Iranian forces in Syria. Kerry denies it, but given his track record, our Israeli friends can be forgiven for viewing his reemergence in a senior position in the Biden-Harris administration with alarm. That's especially true given the Biden team's evident determination to appease Iran. Kerry's latest betrayal may contribute to the growing prospect of a horrific military conflict to prevent an Iranian bomb. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Given its critical role in overhauling a culture that used to value and protect children above all else, the Kinsey Report is long overdue for scientific scrutiny. He used data from the rape of children, as we've discussed, some as young as two months, to demonstrate and prove childhood sexual capacity. He concealed the full nature of these experiments, and he concealed information on who performed these experiments. He extrapolated these data to describe normal childhood development. He did not follow up these abused children, as was ethically and morally required.
though the identities of many of these children are known and known today and they still could be followed up and should be. Furthermore, he shielded criminals who were involved in this work, including one murderer that we know of, from the police. If I have not said enough about the need for this research to be investigated, then I doubt if there's really anything else that could be said. And that was the, vo this was the voice of Dr. Uh, Gord Moore, and that's the one that Bob mentioned earlier from Scotland. Uh, that's his ass assessment of uh, Dr. Kinsey's work and Bob with Dr. Judith Reisman, who we're remembering today, who passed away on April, April the 9th, produced this video called Children of Table 34 to try to expose Kinsey. I think, uh, Bob, do you, this is my sense of it, and please correct me. I believe that damage was done to Kinsey. Da certainly, I think, I, when I was looking at uh, Wikipedia, even they reported uh, actually, th some of the things that we've talked about that you exposed in table, the children of table 34, but the real damage was not done. Uh, his, his, his horrible findings made their way into a willing uh, population and have led to some really bitter fruit, uh, not stopped enough. Would you agree with that? Oh, it's really, uh, I think you, Put it well. Or, or Judith at the outset said he was the, the he's the father of the sexual revolution. Uh, the Kinsey research uh, gave an excuse uh, for uh, the explosion in pornography, the attacks on marriage, uh, even easy divorce, <laughs> abortion, uh, and uh, the rise of the uh, soft porn empire of Playboy, uh, Hugh Hefner, uh, the, and Kinsey himself. Uh, was a, a very damaged individual. He was secretly gay. Uh, there was no question he only was interested in men. He did the conventional thing and got married and had a couple kids, but uh, his biographer, uh, uh, who was uh, uh, sympathetic to him, James Jones, uh, wrote a huge biography of Kinsey, uh, Alfred Kinsey, A Life, and said that he'd experimented with other boys and done some sadomasochistic things when he was a kid and uh, got involved with messing around in the Boy Scouts, uh, which should ring uh, yes. like an alarm bell for a lot of people. Uh, yes, you know, actually, can I just interject, Bob. I did wonder when I was reading his bio uh, a short biography uh, that uh, he did get a Kinsey as a child, got involved in the Boy Scouts. And, I'm, of course, my mind went to, well, did he get abused in the Scouts is how this started. I did wonder. Well, both. He got abused and he abused others. He became a a, a, a scout leader, and uh, there was evidence he invited boys into his tent, etc., and I won't go into it. But, uh, no, he was a twisted individual, uh, but he was brilliant uh, because he parlayed his own pain into a, a career as a sex expert. He had no real expertise in it, but he founded the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University, which is still there, by the way. And over the years, it, you can't uh, you can't underestimate the uh, impact of this place. I mean, everything from Dear Abby and Ann Landers. You know, I I just remember being outraged. Uh, and and today, to this day, every so often you'll see them reference them as authorities or or CECAS, the Sexuality Information and Education Council of the U.S. That was founded by Kinsey acolytes. 
uh, and and they believe in the whole Kinsey idea that sex is uh, there's no moral aspect. Any sex, all sex is good, as early as possible. And there's Dear Abby and Ann Landers uh, citing them as as uh, authorities, as they do cite PFLAG, Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays, which is a hardcore left wing. Uh, a gay activist organization that is basically telling parents go ahead encourage your kids to be gay i mean this this if you you track all these organizations today and they they all go back to kinsey i mean it's it's just amazing how much you know, this guy influenced this country and the whole world really i i can't i find it kind of hard to comprehend that in the late 40s which i think is when kinsey was i think it was when it was founded uh, the yeah. Kinsey Institute in, in, at Indiana University. In Indiana, uh, Kinsey yeah. and his entire staff were practicing sexual perversion. He had his staff. Uh, they, they participated. His wife and he had this agreement that they would sleep with anyone they wanted to. This is in Indiana in the late and 40s. Have it, and have it filmed. And he, have it filmed. Yeah, a guy so, named Bill so, Dellenbach was the filmographer for the Kinsey Institute, and he filmed the Kinsey staff all having sex with each other. I mean, this you know, this stuff, and of course the press didn't look into this. When the Kinsey report came out, the press went nuts. Uh, they And there was a pop song, Dr. Kinsey, and they just popularized him without looking into uh, how fraudulent it was and how, how immoral it was. I, I mean... You, Bob, there you was a movie made about. There was a movie made about yeah. Kinsey. Uh, yeah, we tried at, to oh, stop uh, it. Remember? Y- yes, I do. Uh, yeah. Liam Neeson was starting. Did you see? I did not see it. I, I just did see if it. They, did they dip into any of this? Any of the no, findings? none of the child research. They they kept that out of it entirely. They didn't make Kinsey out to be a completely uh, wonderful academic. Uh, they showed that he was a little bit weird, and they did uh, bring out his homosexuality. Uh, but they still made him out to be a modern-day martyr who was misunderstood and yet did so much good for so many. I mean, it's, it's it was a whitewash. Let's talk for a second. We've talked, we've touched on these things, but I want to drill down because I wanted people to understand why this is still so important to understand. Uh, you mentioned Secus, and I remember Secus. Uh, this is decades ago, pushing the most graphic sexual instruction for preschool children. They're the ones that write the yep. curriculum for preschools. And I couldn't, and so, so now, I think, I did not know this until today, uh, that the founders of SECUS were Alfred Kinsey acolytes. So that's just another area of influence. Um, and then also, the thing we have not really talked about, Bob, is the, the thing that we're facing, one of the many things, but the next horizon for the sexual anarchists is pedophilia. And, uh, Say say a word about that. Excuse me. Say a word about that, please. Well, it stems from the Kinsey view that no sex is immoral, even with children. So uh, the pedophiles have seized on this. You know, there are academic journals in Holland and Denmark uh, that look like real academic journals, and they, they make the academic case for pedophilia. <laughs> and some of these people migrated to Johns Hopkins University, like John Money, uh, John Money uh, became one of the greatest of America's sex experts, and he was totally uh, a, a Kinsey acolyte. And uh, he took—it's 
again, the, the tendrils of this thing reach out everywhere. He formulated the idea that sex was merely a social construct because he took a little boy who'd had a damaged uh, uh, <laughs> sensitive place and uh, said he could be raised as a girl. And he oh, misreported, yes. yeah, it's oh, in a book called know. As you... Nature Made Him. by, mm-hmm. uh, And this poor little boy still wanted to be a boy. And, you know, he'd play with guns and he'd roughhouse. And, and his parents kept trying under John Money's tutelage to say, look, it's just in his mind, uh, you know, your gender is just who you think you are. So just raise him as a girl. Everything will be fine. So uh, eventually, uh, this this boy grew up and uh, had reverse surgery uh, to try to recover his manhood. He ended up marrying a woman, but then he just, the whole thing was such a mess, he ended up committing suicide. But John Money went on to great fame because he had proved, and the feminists uh, were very big on quoting his work, saying, see, this esteemed Johns Hopkins professor had proved that sex isn't biological. It's a social construct. You can train any child to be whatever sex you want. (laughs) And think about how that is today with the trans movement. It's in your head. Biology has nothing to do with it. This is right out of Kinsey. It's right out of Kinsey. I never thought yeah. about that. I, I had no idea that John Money was a Kinsey person. I've talked about that case before on the air, Bob. It's just... Yeah. And then, of course, the whole pedophilia thing is, uh, as my understanding, there are uh, universities here that are beginning to dip their toe in the water on that, uh, university professors who are advocates of this. And then I also think about, you know, remember, I know you do, the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child, Hillary Clinton was very involved in that in the 90s. And one of their platforms was that children had a right uh, to sexual activity. They have a right to sex. Do you remember that? Yeah, that shows how widespread this Kinsey influence has been. I mean, it's just, it's breathtaking. (laughs) Uh, But here's the cure. Uh, Two things. (laughs) The antidote is truth. God's truth rendered uh, in compassionate love is the cure for all of this. That's how we can look at people who are even trying to uh, scandalize children and say, my gosh, God loves even them. Uh, We're we're to stop them. (laughs) We're to protect the innocent. Uh, But we don't indulge in hate. We we indulge in uh, redemption. I mean, that's, that's the Christian calling. And that's good medicine at any time. Anytime you, this stuff gets under your collar and you get angry, like it, where, where the Biden administration right now is taking America in so many weird directions, uh, if I start to get hot under the collar, I say, Jesus, uh, let me see these people the way you see them. Let me work as hard as I can to stop what they're doing, but let me not descend to the hate that they seem to be purveying everywhere. I also think, Bob, um, I've always tried to present it this way, sexuality is complex for all of us. And I think almost every human being has uh, the propensity to to get off the track, and sexuality is complex. God created us in a way that, you know, male and female, and a way to come together that's uh, normal and natural. But for some reason, all of the all the things that can happen to you in childhood, especially now with all the abuse in homes, can really do, an, um, it's really in the mind, our sexuality is in our mind as much as anything. And uh, God can sort that out, just like he can, you know, yeah. set the stars in space and separate the earth from the dry land. He can sort that out for anyone listening. You can have a new beginning. You are not bound, even though you think you are, you are not bound to whatever it is that's just overwhelming you. And there is always 
hope with Jesus uh, to sort things out and to start new. And so we, we do want to make that very clear. Um, I'm wondering, uh, Bob, I'm wondering about mentioning there is a conference coming up. It's a Restored Hope Network is having a conference on sexuality. There's, it's an online conference. It's going to have former LGBTQ-identified persons uh, giving their testimony, and you can find that at uh, Restored Hope Network. Restored Hope Network is going to be on June the 11th and 12th, and I just wanted to say that's some practical help for those of you that may be really struggling with this in an overt way, and some of you may be in a covert way. This would be some kind of uh, help for you, kind of an olive branch to to help you restored. Restored. All of us need to be restored. Uh, Bob, um, anything else about you? Sandy, if I could add this, uh, sure. Parents and Friends of Ex-Gays and Gays, uh, PFOX, I, I've been involved with them for years. It, it reaches out to families, and it, it tries to bridge the gap. And the, the whole idea of PFOX is always love your children regardless. Uh, but that doesn't mean giving up your, your values. It doesn't mean uh, buying into their uh, their problem. Uh, it, it PFOX is a, a group of parents, basically, and friends uh, who who preach uh, the truth in love. Uh, and I would uh, encourage anybody to go to either the Restore Hope Network site or pfox.org, where there are all kinds of testimonies from people who have overcome transgenderism and homosexuality and parents who, who have obtained help there. And there are even brochures to download that are uh, geared for children who might be Excellent. questioning their sexuality. And, okay. and another thing, there's four new books out by Denise Schick, uh, at at helpforfamilies.org. That's help with a number four for families.org. These okay. are wonderful books. I, ju- I just reviewed them in my Washington Times article. You know what? Uh, we'll put that those we'll put those links on our okay. Facebook page, Bob, and also okay. your article. And I also want to remember uh, remind people that AFA has a new movie in his image that talks oh, it's about excellent. God's design, oh. God's design for sexuality. There is hope. Uh, this is not the end of things. God is going to sort this out either in our lifetime or in the one to come. But meanwhile, we fight, right? Uh, remembering Judith Reisman is Bob's article. Bob Knight, thanks. It's been so fun to talk to you again this morning. Thank you for being my great friend and mentor all these years. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.